If you're a local government enthusiast who's looking for fresh conversations over a hot cup of morning coffee or tea or while you're driving or walking the dog, you do you. You're in the right place. Welcome to the Local Gov Cafe podcast, hosted by Susan Gardner and Ann Mitchell. This podcast is devoted to having conversations that matter, covering the full menu of municipal topics. You'll discover guests who bring insight and inspiration to the issues that drive and challenge communities. We'll be talking with leaders in policy, practice, consulting, and academia to put a spotlight on civic government and the people who make it all happen at the local level. Good morning, everyone. Susan and I are so glad you wandered in the cafe today. Susan, why don't you tell us what is on the menu board? We have another great guest joining us. Today, we're welcoming Helen Cole, a woman who is on a mission to help more women enter political leadership roles at the local level. Helen is the founder of the Gene Collective, a women in politics initiative. This is a nonpartisan organization that's committed to training and preparing women to run for local office in their community. Welcome to the cafe, Helen. Thank you so much for the invite. And perhaps you can share with our listeners a little bit about your background and how it shaped you to running and thriving in local government. Okay, I'll try to be quick on this. I was I was very fortunate when I was a young mom to get a job working as a clerk treasurer in a small municipality. And so for eight years, I worked in two very small municipalities, which is actually how I got to know Susan. And then I changed careers and went into adult training. When I did that, I moved to St. Thomas and I was encouraged to run for council while I was there. And I did. I ran success and served three terms. I absolutely loved municipal government. I loved both sides of municipal government. I've been looking at old records recently, and it's fun to go back over those. But I really loved it. I loved the fact that local government is where you are most responsive to the people and where you can make the difference. So anyway, I ran for council, got elected, and initially my mission was I wanted to save a beautiful old building in St. Thomas. I have no idea why I thought being on council would help me to do that. (laughs) At any rate, it didn't. But I really quickly learned that council is all about more than one issue. There are many. And as I say, I absolutely loved municipal government. After nine years, I remarried, and so I moved to Sarnia. So that's my background that suits me for what I'm doing in municipal government. I've been on both sides of the coin, both as staff and as a politician. Helen, when you were on one side, because I've always been on the administrative side, just curiosity, (laughs) what about the other side? When going from administrative to the political lens, What did you find about that switch over? First of all, I found it excellent training for being on council. It was excellent training. For me, it was just a minor shift as opposed to someone else who did not have that experience. They've got all that learning to do. 
when they first get elected. I didn't. I was able to just jump right into it. That was very helpful to me. I did also notice a huge difference. And we were talking about this just recently, locally, a huge difference between small village, small town councils and city councils. There, the difference is quite dramatic. That was a surprise to me. Was there anything that you found interesting in running and serving in local government? What was the most interesting thing to you? The most interesting thing to me, it all really comes back to the people. It's the people that makes that job interesting. You have to love people. <clears throat> I loved, for example, that I could go to the grocery store for my weekly trip and it would take me two hours to get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> not everyone would love that Helen <laughs> I did it was so fun and actually and for me blowing my own horn a really great story was during one of my last trips to the St. Thomas grocery store someone actually stopped me and said how much they loved me being on council and they were so sorry I was leaving oh. anyway that was really cool and I think it's all about you just if you love people and you want to serve them it's a great job for you. That's so funny because I agree with Susan because a lot of people wouldn't like the two-hour grocery trip. But I actually, two municipalities ago when I was leaving, one of our frequent flyers, I would say, said, Anne, but you can't leave. Who am I going to argue with now? <laughs> That's interesting. So before, Helen, we talk about your passion project, the Gene Collective, which is really fascinating. Perhaps you can tell our listeners about the importance of mentoring and who was the greatest influence on your career in local government? Well, I bet you know who that was because it's <laughs> named after her. <laughs> Jean McDougall, I met, she lived in Port Stanley and I met Jean McDougall almost immediately after I got elected. And sometimes when people reach out to you, there's a bit of skepticism, you think, Ooh, what does this person want? And she was a fascinating individual. I grew to love her very much. We actually adopted one another uh, as mother and daughter. And when I came to Sarnia and I realized that we only had 21% representation on the part of women here, my thought process went, well, someone's got to do something. <laughs> and so I drew a group of women together and we started planning what that should look like. And at some point in time, and often when I talk about Jean, I'll start crying. And one of them said, we should call it the Jean Collective. <laughs> so the name was born, the Jean Collective, a woman in politics initiative. And just a little story, when I, I realized in August of last year, August of 2022, that we were making a difference because women kept coming to me asking for support and help. And we're staying at a cottage and I'm sitting there. I clearly remember this point when I just read an email and I took my glass of wine and I said, here's to you, Jean. So... <laughs> I think of her often, and she is the inspiration behind what I'm doing. So Gene Collective is clearly 
a passion project for you inspired by by Jean. Tell us more about the initiative and what exactly it is and what you're doing through that work. It's been a process, an evolution. Initially, none of us really knew what we were doing. We just knew that we wanted to make change. So we developed a full program and launched our first night live. Fabulous turnout. Almost immediately, we had to pivot to online because COVID arrived on the scene. So I continued to do what I do. I reach out to people here, there, and everywhere for help. We put together a program, a series of workshops, etc., that we delivered. I also interviewed women, politicians, or women of inspiration, which is actually how I met a group of really interesting female politicians in Middlesex County. I'm now working with, it's about 10, and we're meeting on a regular basis to determine what we can do to encourage more women to look at running for office to the point that we've scheduled a date, we have a location, we're planning a Women in Leadership Conference for September the 16th. How exciting is that? Amazing. That is amazing. And do you know where the location is yet, Helen? It or is in the Wellness Center in Kamoka. Oh, that's amazing. So can you share a few individual inspiring stories that have come out of women who've gone to the Gene Collective and how the Gene Collective has impacted their lives? I know that we became a pretty tight circle of friends. There was one individual, two actually, who had been on council in the past and lost in the previous election. In one of them especially, I felt like she really needed some extra support because when you give your life to something like that, especially if you've been on council before and you lose, there's a grief process there. It's like losing your job. And I was really happy to provide some extra support around that. And both of those women got reelected. You know what, that's so fascinating that you say that about the grief process. And the thing is, it's such a public, it's not yes. even like your regular job where you lose your job and it's private. This is such a public and in the community that you're part of as well. It's really yes. interesting terminology that you used, grief it's, process. That's fascinating. We had, we had a meeting recently. We only had five of the 20 there. But one of them was one who had been on council and she lost when she ran for mayor. And she really appreciated the opportunity to come together and just debrief on how she felt. And she was the one who said to me, and I didn't realize it, it's like losing your job. When your entire focus, you've been on council and that's your focus, and then suddenly it's gone. So it does awake me to the fact that I will need, I will probably get a grief facilitator to do a workshop following the next election for individuals 
who, who lose on that election. And yet I want to say another woman that was in the group said, I was okay because I had an eight-year plan. And she said, I did not plan on getting elected this time, but I do next time. She per was perfect because she's getting herself known in the community. She understands how things work. And I'll bet she'll get elected next time. But it's nice to have a group within which you can talk about those kinds of things. So I have lots of new things in the works that I, if we have time, I'd love to tell you about. For sure. Let's hear what some of those plans are. So I'm going in two directions now, because one of the things I realized is part of the process of getting women ready to run for council is some may not even know that possibility exists for them. Because, and we talk about this a lot in the Middlesex Women's Group, about you may talk about politics at the dinner table, especially when you're younger and you hear your parents, etc. And so you're accustomed to hearing about it and deliberating, but you don't think it's for you. You don't think you know enough. You don't think you're educated enough. You, I really hate to say this, but you're used to the man taking the lead. So you don't think it's for you. So I've developed three workshops to address just that. And I'm putting them under a different umbrella. And it will be called Women Who Lead with Confidence by the Gene Collective. I have a whole series for the Gene Collective. But those series are Finding Your Voice, really, and that's fairly comprehensive, but I won't go into the detail now. Defining your values, because it's really important to know what you stand for. Whatever you may decide to strive for in the future, it's really important if you've defined your values, what your North Star is, what you'd like to leave as your legacy, for example. And then workshop three is developing your leadership skills. So that's on the women who lead side. Then next year in 2024, because everyone said, I don't want to talk about elections in 2023. <laughs> but I know that women don't start early enough thinking about running for council. So I have eight workshops around that called Steps to Winning. And the first one will be defining whether the public eye is appropriate for you creating your campaign platform. And a counselor suggested this, developing empathy or the ability to listen to your constituents, understanding your community, knowing your story and developing your elevator pitch, creating visibility and credibility. Because if you haven't done any work in the community and you suddenly decide you're gonna run for council, and I see this all the time, you're not going to get elected. So I've got material around that. Then because some people needed help writing their speeches and answering questions, I've got a piece around the media and just dealing with those. Then uh, finally getting right down to the nitty gritty, developing your campaign and what does it look like? And this is key. I found the women I worked with were shocked at the amount of money it costs to run for council. Hmm. And they have difficulty asking people for money. 
So I've got a whole piece on making the ask because I fundraised for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> so that's easy for me. Now they say you teach what you need to learn. When I've worked for organizations, it's been incredibly easy to ask for money because it's not me. And I can say it's a lot more difficult as a gene collective to ask for money. So it, maybe it will help me as well. So anyway, that's my plan. I even bought myself a year long calendar so I can scope this all out and make sure I'm not running into myself with different things. <laughs> I'm so impressed, Helen, because you've listened clearly. You've been listening to all the women who've ran and successfully or unsuccessfully but the whole spectrum of your workshops is so well thought out because so many people don't think about that when they're running that's yeah. very impressive very impressive and I have to say I never thought of all those things when I ran long ago <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about all those things I was just I'm doing this <laughs> and fortunately I had friends who knew more than me who helped put it together but you're right. It's because I listened. It was my training ground working with these 20 women last year. It's where I realized it has legs. I actually thought, oh, I've done my piece. I put all this together. And I was actually thinking maybe I'm done until I started having all these coffee dates. And it was so much fun. I loved every minute. And all those women are now my friends. And this work you're doing is so important to educate and prepare the person for that experience and from beginning to, to end of the election process. We know that some of the barriers are systemic as well. So tell us your thoughts about this. How can governments and organizations work to create an environment where there's more opportunities for women to overcome those barriers and get into leadership roles? First of all, I want to say that, in my opinion, FCM and AMO are doing a really great job of building resources for women. I, I use a lot of them, actually, because they're so good. So in terms of what governments can do, a really good example would be We've had some conversation locally about what are the impediments to young women running for council. And one of them is daycare. And so I am so impressed with Sarnia City Council because they have passed a policy and there are certain procedures around it, but you can apply for a care subsidy. It's not necessarily children. It could be for other reasons. But that's an amazing first step. The other would be, and this applies to all people, when I was on council meetings were in the evening. I was able to walk from my office, which was right behind City Hall, <laughs> and go to council meetings. At, I think we started at four. During COVID, some communities started having them during the day, et cetera. And whether you're a man or a woman, if you are working, those times just aren't suitable for you. So there needs to be changes made around that to make it more accessible for all. 
you know what? I would agree with that, Helen. Right now, this council that we have, one of the one of the longer serving members was just saying the other day that he has never noticed before, but this council, he has never seen anything like it where there's so many of the nine members that actually have full-time jobs. So we as a bureaucracy have to learn how to pivot a bit better. And part yes. of that is shifting the meeting times so that people are able to accommodate both. There is a changing demographic. If you look at service clubs, for example, their membership is declining. The same will start happening in the municipal spectrum. And we need to be encouraging young people, especially young women. And so we have to look at how can we make that accessible for them? What do they need, one, so that they feel comfortable running for council? That's where I come in. <laughs> and two, how can the municipality make it accessible for them so that they can participate? If you're working you, full time, it's almost impossible for you to get out for a meeting in the daytime. So currently what we have in, I'll just use Sarnia as an example, because I know it better, but I don't want to create the image that this is all about Sarnia, because it definitely isn't. Everyone on council is either self-employed or retired. So that's a pretty small pool to draw from. So Helen, what is the most important piece of advice that you would give a woman who is considering a career in local government? Just do it. That's excellent. It, it's just such a satisfying career. It really is. There, the world has changed since I was a politician. For example, we didn't have to deal with social media. So there are some issues around that. But there's lots of training out there now about how to deal with that. That's one thing that holds women back is, is the attacks on social media. I've been developing information that will hopefully be a workshop either for me or someone to deliver around that and how you can best deal with the keyboard warriors. Yeah, it's so divisive now, politics. So it's something that you really have to consider. I like what you said earlier about how recognizing with yourself if you're ready for that public scrutiny. So I think that that's pretty important as well. Helen, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your wisdom and experience. It's been a great conversation and We'll be uh, watching with interest to see where the Gene Collective takes this in the time leading up to the next elections. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. You take care. Thanks for joining us in the Local Gov Cafe. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to share on social media or tell a friend. And we hope you'll join us next time as we welcome our next guest. You won't want to miss it.